I know that while I'm preaching right now, the Spirit of God is trying to tell you this wound of the past cannot continue to dominate my thinking. Somebody is starting to say, Moses, I believe you. I believe that I can be free. Bishop, I believe what you're saying, that, that, that if God brings me to a place of brokenness, I can find healing. Welcome to Can I Get an Amen with Bishop Herson Gonzalez, the pastor of Vida Church in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. This is Can I Get an Amen? My name is Bishop Herson Gonzalez. I am your host. Here we go. I'm so happy that you tuned in today because this is your day. We're going to help you find healing through brokenness doesn't sound fun. It isn't fun, but it's good on the other side, I promise you. So welcome to Can I Get an Amen? Now we're in a series called The Upside of Down, and I hope that by now you're realizing that the Philosophy, the teachings of the gospel, the teaching of the, the Bible is very, very different than, than what we see in the mainstream sort of culture. Amen. We have to start to get this. Week one, I taught you that the best way to victory is through surrender. Amen. Nobody thinks that surrendering brings victory, but this is what Jesus taught. This is what the Lord Jesus taught us. Amen. And, and in week two, I told you that God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. Amen. So, so surrender is going to give you victory and weakness is going to give you power. Amen. 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 And, then, and then today I want to highlight the, the other, another upside of down. And this is, there is healing through brokenness. I'm trying to teach somebody what the Bible says. Amen. Because, because in our culture, in our modern day, the last thing we want is to surrender. We want to win. We're taught to win in America. We're going to win so much, we're going to get tired of winning, we said. Right? Amen. So this is the idea. We want to win. But Christ says, when you're willing to surrender it all, you got the victory. You got the victory where it matters most, in your soul. Amen. And then, and then uh, nobody wants to show weakness. Everybody wants to show strength. Amen. But, but God said, listen, man, my power is not made perfect in your strength. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Amen. And today I want you to really understand this idea. There is healing. Amen. Not in your wellness, but in your sickness, in your brokenness. Jesus said, I came, I came not for the well, but I came for the sick. Because those that are well don't need a doctor. Amen. And he was talking to the Pharisees and, and he was basically saying, you think you're okay and you think you don't need me. I came for those that know they need me. I came for the broken. I came to get to reach those people that realize they are in trouble. Now, I've had a lot of couples in my office over the years. We've been doing this for over 15 years, counseling to couples and whatnot. And, and I remember a few years that I had two couples in my office, different times, but the same day. And, and the experience stayed with me uh, because they had experienced amazingly similar um, challenges, but they were headed in opposite directions. The first couple 
uh, having endured great problems and pressures. But, but what touched me was that when, when we were talking about the, the issues that, were, that was terrible and it was, and it was a, a lot of pain in it, those two were holding hands. And when we prayed, they wept quietly. And they, and they prayed that God's will would be done. You know, you, 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 you could see the presence of, of God fill the room. It felt like Christ himself was standing in the room. And, 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 the, and the tragedy that could have easily derailed them, they, they, they responded to it with humility. And, and it brought them closer to God. Their brokenness released something in them that attracted the presence of God in my little office. And that whole room became, in the midst of despair, it became hopeful. In the midst of sadness, there was a joy that was unspeakable and that transcended all understanding. Something happened when they held hands and we prayed together. The Spirit of God moved in their lives. And it wasn't long after that that the greatest door of their lives opened up before them. Today, they are triumphant Christians. They live a di- and they have a dynamic ministry in the hands of God. But the second couple, the problems were very similar to the other couple. But their response was entirely different. Instead of tears, they were angry accusations. Instead of handing it over to God, they were saying, this isn't fair. I deserve better than this. They they began to fall apart. She started getting heavily medicated and he started to stay out a little too late at night. They were being torn apart. The same, almost the same thing that brought the other couple together. When we prayed, I knew, I knew that there was no victory. I believed that God could do it, but while I prayed with that couple, I knew that there was no victory to be won. Their mentality was, 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 was changed. Brokenness brought something totally different out in this couple. Last I heard, they're not together anymore, and neither one of them is serving God in a church. What made the difference? What was the secret to victory? And this morning, I want to I talk a little bit about what makes the difference between our breakdowns and our breakthroughs. Because sometimes it's, it's right there. It almost feels the same thing, like the same thing. Anybody ever break down and find a breakthrough? But sometimes a breakdown is just that, a breakdown. It doesn't always lead to breakthrough. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 39. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then one of the Pharisees asked him, talk about Jesus, to eat with him. And Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table of the Pharisee house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And stood at his feet behind him weeping. Listen to this. Then all of a sudden, she began to wash his feet with her tears. Now, washing feet in those days, uh, was be, it, was, it was because most people walked around with sandals. And when you walked in a house, the servants of the house would wash your feet. So, presumably, this Pharisee already had the feet of Jesus washed. This is something extra. Somebody say, she a little extra. 
See, see a little extra. Listen to this. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who invited Jesus saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, this Jesus, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Oh, I'm sure that somebody, if, they, if somebody caught you in church today, they'd say that pastor should know better than to trust that girl, to trust that boy. He a sinner. She a sinner. They don't belong in church. Not the kind of person that should raise their hand. I know what they did. I know what they do. I know who they are. They don't belong here. They're a hypocrite. And if that pastor knew had any sense, he wouldn't even spend time with them. Mm-hmm. That's what he was saying. If Jesus knew better, he wouldn't let that woman touch his feet. He wouldn't let that woman carry his bag. Right? First, we know this thing about this woman. She was a sinner. Is there any, are there any sinners in the room? Anybody guilty of sin? I, I'm a sinner. I, 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 but I've been cleansed. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. But I'm a sinner. She was a sinner. Now, we don't know what her specific sin is. A lot of people guess to what it is. I'm not going to guess. We just know that she was a sinner. And then we know that, she, that when she got there, she came with a jar made of alabaster. And, and alabaster is a type of stone that was carved out to contain very expensive perfume. And the only way to get this perfume out of this, 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 this box was to break the vase, the case that held, held it. In other words, it was in the brokenness that fragrance would be released. The only way to get the essence the smell of what was inside that very expensive alabaster box was to come and take and break it. Mm -hmm. Perhaps all this lady had left. Many, many people believe that this is all she had left. It was about the value of one year's salary. But when, when she realized that, that Jesus represented the hope of her life, that Jesus could represent the dreams of her life, that Jesus could represent her ambitions and all of her future, because previous to Jesus, all of that stuff was in a little box. But when she found Jesus, she found something more costly, more valuable, more beautiful than what she had in the box. However, this woman, she really found something profound. In Jesus Christ that she took that expensive vase that made a stone and she broke it she poured it over the feet of Jesus that fragrance at that moment of worship permeated the entire room everybody in the house smelled that perfume when we come into the presence of God we get to that place of, of brokenness there's, there's something about the presence of God that you could be fine. You could be walking your whole day, all week you're fine. And you're a little bit sad and you're having some issues. But when you come to the church, something happens and you start to cry. Anybody experience that in the house of God? You just, oh my God, I'm fine everywhere else. When I get to church, I'm a baby. I, I, I can't control myself. Because, because in the presence of God, we become broken. 
in the presence of God. Amen. He's trying to get uh, uh, us to release the valuable perfume that's inside of us. And so brokenness is required. I believe we find a, a perfect example of this story in the story of the prodigal son. Jesus told the story of, of this prodigal son, this young man who, 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 who took the inheritance of his father. And he ended up taking his blessing far away to different places. And then everybody knows that the, the prodigal son spent all of his money. And, and while he had money, he had friends. But the moment he ran out of money, he had no friends. Right? And, 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 and he realized that he was empty when he was feeding pigs. And, and he used to be the prince of a beautiful estate. And now he's feeding pigs. Amen? And he realized that, that everything that he was chasing after ended up in, in, in emptiness. Somebody today is chasing after the things of the world. Somebody in this room right now, somebody listen to me on Facebook. You're chasing after the things of the world and you're finding out this is not giving me what I thought I'd get. I'm getting empty. I'm, I'm, I'm being worn out. I, I'm spending. I'm not getting. I'm feeling empty. I'm feeling broken. And, I'm re and you're starting to realize I was better off when I was in my father's house. This is where he got to. But, but the testimony of being his father's son was in shambles because he had done so much wrong and he, and he desecrated the name of his father everywhere he went. And he knew that he didn't have the right to ask his father to take him back as a son. So he came to that place of brokenness, that place of emptiness, and he decided, I'm going to go back to my father's house because even the servants in my father's house live better than me. I lost my right to be a son and a lot of us feel this way I lost my right to be to be a Christian I've done so many things so wrong that God would never take me back I'll just go to church and get a little bit of feel good but I know I can't serve God I, I, I lost the right to be a son and a daughter of God he had gone out with such incredible dreams boy you chasing dreams and, and, and you think that you have to leave your relationship with God at home to chase your dreams because some of what you want God ain't in it so we, so we go out and we do stuff, but, but now he's coming home empty. His plans destroyed. His resources empty. His failure was before his face constantly. I ruined it. My father invested in me. My father gave me a chance to be my own man. Now I got to go home broken. He comes back and out of his mouth says, Father, I have sinned against you and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. I want you to hear the brokenness in that. He is his son. He is his son, but he comes home and says, I know I'm not worthy of being called your son. In other words, I lost the right to be called your son. So please, make me a servant. Make me a slave. I just want to be in the house again. I just want to be where there's destiny again. I just want to be where there's hope again. I, I just want to be around where, 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 where I can feel the Father's love. And, and he must have been so shocked that when he came back, he found his father waiting for him. And while he was walking toward his father, his father was running toward him. Because there's something very special about the father. There's something special about coming home. There's something special about your destiny. There's something special about the presence of God. You can go out and squander all of what you think gives you the right to be called a Christian. But every time you come home, God the Father is running toward you saying, welcome home, my son. Welcome home, my daughter. 
His father said, you know what? Strike up the band. Get the band ready. Let's have a party. Let's get the fatty calf. Let's kill this fatty calf. And, and the son is saying, no, dad. No, no, no. No, no, no. I blew it. I don't want to bring any more shame to your name. Don't, don't elevate me. I, I don't deserve it, dad. And, and, and his father says, you're my son. Yeah, but I know I'm your son, but I, I, I ruined it. I know I blew it. I don't deserve it. And our shame can be so great that we don't want to accept the full grace of God. And the father looks at him and says, son, my blood flows through your veins. I can hear God saying, my son, daughter, my blood covers you. You're my son. I can, I can imagine that that honor brought brokenness. A different kind of brokenness. Not the brokenness of, of the shame. Not anymore. He's being forgiven by his father. Now it's a brokenness of saying, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Amen. And that's the, the attitude of the sinner in the house of God. That's the attitude of the woman with the alabaster box that is, I know I'm not worthy to even touch your feet. Prodigal son says, I'm not worthy to be your son. It's amazing to begin to understand the depth of the love of God. Today I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to help you bathe in it. Today I want you to just wrap yourself in the love and the mercy of God and understand there is no sin so great. There's no place that you've gone that's too far for the love of God to welcome you home if today is your coming home party. And I believe that that fragrance that is, that is released in our brokenness, that, that's the smell of freedom. And it's also the, the smell of provision. It's true that, that we bear the treasures of the risen Christ in earthly vessels. That's what the Bible says. Just as if, however, it is also true that sometimes we can be so rigid that, 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 we, that we don't go to that brokenness. We'll cry, but we won't break. We'll be sad, but we won't break. We, we won't break. We won't truly release what's inside of us. There's a pride that sometimes tries to keep it, to, makes us feel like we have to keep it together, hold it together. And the example I want to use today for that is, is Moses. Now Moses had a great calling in his life. Moses was spared. You know, when Moses was born, the king made, a, made an order that all the kids under the age of two would be killed, all the male boys, and all those boys were killed, but Moses was spared because there was a purpose in his life. And Moses wasn't raised with his Jewish mother. He was raised in the palace with the, with, with, with the Pharaoh's daughter because there was purpose in his life. But somehow it got twisted and Moses started to trust in himself and Moses started to believe in himself and he really didn't know God. So much so that when, when Moses realized that, that he was a Hebrew, he, he, he took actions into his own hands and he killed a soldier. Because of that, he had to flee. This is what happens. When we, take, when we take things into our own hands, we hurt people. We, 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 oh, I'm the chosen one. God called me to be the liberator. I'm going to, no, 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 no. No. Wait a minute. There's too much you in you, Moses. There's got to be a little bit more me in you, Moses. So I got to take you to the desert. So he goes to the desert. And 40 years, he begins to decrease God begins to increase. That's one of those, that's another one of those uh, uh, upsides of down. I must decrease so that he must increase. Amen. And so, so Moses 
Although he had the plan, he was too rigid in believing in himself. But I want to take you 40 years in the future. Moses is now encountering God. He, 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 he gets to the place where he no longer believes in himself. And, and, and look, I, I am all for positive affirmation and reinforcement. I am all for you believing in yourself and having a healthy dose of self-confidence. But, but when it comes to my confidence in me versus my confidence in God, it looks like I have no confidence in me. Amen? Amen? So I don't want to tell you you need to lose all confidence in yourself. Moses lost all confidence in his ability. Because when God calls him, he says, I'm no good. He came from coming and saying, I'm going to be the next great thing. To Now he's saying, who am I? What are they going to say? What, what if they say no? What if they make fun of me? So he lost all of his confidence. And listen, guys, this is where God wants to bring some of us this morning. You have to lose your confidence, meaning you have to lose in thinking that you can do it yourself. And you have to start believing that without God, I can't do anything. That's the brokenness that God brought Moses to. He realized, without God, I can't do a thing. Without God, I'm no good. I'm lost without him. And when Moses thought he couldn't do anything, God called him to lead three million people out of slavery. Moses walked into the camp in brokenness, and his dependence was on God. I believe this is what happened. I believe that Moses' brokenness sent a sort of an invisible fragrance throughout the people of God. I believe that like the, the, the alabaster box, that brokenness created and filled the room with, 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 with worship. I believe that the brokenness of, of Moses was what won the people because the people didn't know God and the people didn't trust Moses. So why is it that they decided to follow an 80-year-old man? I believe it was the, the fragrance of brokenness that called them all to a, a place of worship. Your brokenness isn't just for you. It's for everyone in the room. Everyone in the room is going to be able to smell what's coming out of you, that, that essence. It was as if suddenly the fragrance of Christ himself, the scent of freedom, started to fill the camp. Your brokenness means something to other people. Your brokenness is going to mean something to everyone around you. It's going to give people the sense of, if you can do it, I can do it. I, I believe that, 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 that your mission is good enough for me to follow. In the same way, if, if I'm preaching this morning, and if I'm preaching to you this morning, the same way Moses said, it's time for us to be free. In this moment, if I'm preaching to you and Christ is bearing witness of my words to you, the smell of freedom is starting to permeate in this room. The smell of freedom is coming into your heart and into your minds. And suddenly, these thoughts begin to emerge in your mind. While I'm preaching, I know somebody's thinking, these, these prison doors can't hold my spirit anymore. I know that while I'm preaching right now, the Spirit of God is trying to tell you this, 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 this wound of the past cannot continue to dominate my thinking. Somebody is starting to say, Moses, I believe you. I believe that I can be free. Bishop, I believe what you're saying, that, that, that if God brings me to a place of brokenness, I can find healing. Somebody else is thinking, I don't have a reason to be afraid of the future anymore because God is in my future. 
Somebody today is believing the prophet. Today, somebody's believing this message. Somebody is believing the word of God. And all of a sudden, something inside of you says, I want to be free. I want to break free. I want, a, I want a different life. I, I, I want something more out of my life. It's happening right now through the spirit of God. The woman in our opening text, she came into this Pharisee's house. But the only object of her affection was Jesus. The highest calling of her life at that moment was to be poured out in front of the one who would receive her in spite of her failures, in spite of all of what people said. Everybody knew she was a sinner. Even Jesus, I'm sure. The woman could have simply given this flask. Say, Jesus, I have an offering. Because some of us try to buy God with an offering. Oh, I got my tithes today. God's going to bless me this week. Oh, I'm going to give an offering and God, I'm, I'm going to buy God's blessing this week. She could have said, I have this expensive box and I'm just going to give this to you. Use it whenever you want. And, and she wouldn't have been wrong. And it would have been a beautiful offering. But that's not what God was trying to teach us in this story. That's not what God was trying to teach her. It's not in the giving, it's in the breaking. You can't just give your heart. You got to allow your life to be broken in the hands of God. You, you, you may be asking yourself, how does this all apply to me? If you've been broken, if your life has disappointed you, you feel like all of your plans for the future have fallen through your fingers, and if, you made, if, you've been, if people have made promises to you and they didn't keep them and you feel so down, you feel like you failed, if your hope and your, and your resources have run dry like the prodigal son, the one thing I have to tell you today is open your heart. Break that expensive box that's around your heart that you use to protect yourself, that you use to keep yourself from loving other people, that you use to keep yourself even away from God. Today, God is calling you to break it. You're the object of his affection. You're the reason he came and, and died on the cross. You're the object of his affection. He loves you. Whether you see it or not, whether you've been serving him or not, whether you've been out there sinning and doing your own, he still loves you. Isaiah 53, 5. It reminds us that Christ knew brokenness firsthand. He broke. It was Christ that allowed himself to be broken so that, so that in his break, brokenness, he would release salvation for every single one of us. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed thanks for listening to can i get an amen with bishop person gonzalez you can subscribe to our podcast at www.canigetanamen.podbean.com or wherever you're listening we'll see you next time